but pro max does it really like you you just assume things will be more pro <laughs> than just more the regular pro. pro it's the maximum amount of pro <laughs> you can't get more pro than this right here Ugh. <laughs> What's up, y'all? I'm Zach. And I'm Steve, and this is Fireside Swift. How is it going, Steve? I'm doing just fine, Zach. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, had a pretty pretty good week at work. Had some family in visiting throughout the week, so it was good to see them. Um, it's always fun. Can be yeah, draining. No, I mean, can be draining, but a lot of fun though. It, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was one of those. It was just your regular run of the mill week. How about you? Nice. Well, uh, most of my week was generally pretty regular, which is still a little weird to me right now, but uh, getting <laughs> getting more used to it. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, Rocky got a little sick, so earlier in the week, I had to take him to the vet. Um, he was uh, essentially... Um, how do I say this? Spewing on both ends. Uh, I think I think that's how you've phrased it in the past. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty gross. Um, I I don't know if he ate something or was just got like a little bit of a doggy flu or something. But uh, turns out he was fine. Like all the lab tests we did came out negative. Um, Good. So yeah, he just uh, wasn't feeling well, and uh, so he's on some meds to make his tummy feel better, but uh, he hasn't acted like he needed it, um, mm-hmm. So, but I, I didn't want to risk it, because he can't talk to me. <laughs> I mean, he can. He can talk to me. I just don't understand him. You talk to him all the time. Oh, yeah. He definitely it's understands very that. It's a one-sided relationship yeah. that you have. <laughs> but when he's got a hurt tummy, you can't tell me that I'm, oh, I'm feeling better now. Don't take me to the vet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, well, I'm happy to hear he's feeling okay. You got any big weekend plans? Uh, no, not this weekend. Um, I might end up doing a, a barbecue or something, but it uh, depends on the weather. How about yourself? Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just kind of still cleaning up from the holidays like it's, that <laughs> has lasted down. that has lasted so long like we'll do a little bit and then something mm-hmm. will come up and then we'll do a little bit and then something will come up but we finally got it to where like all the decorations are down they're packed up they just need to be put in the attic right it's like it's that final step and because it is kind of all out of the house and into the garage that so mm-hmm. i don't really see it all the time so it's not a big deal for me uh but yeah, no, this weekend it's it's all going back up. <laughs> yeah. That's a it's a kind of a monumentous uh day for a lot of people. Like finally the- get all the Christmas stuff back in the attic and now it's you go almost a full year before you see it again. Well and the whole thing is like the whole time I'm doing it, I'm just thinking about all of the work I'm giving to future me oh, to yeah. do. Oh yeah. Because it's just I'm like we could just leave it out all the time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so much nicer to have a clean it, area. It is. It is. Um, yeah. And it is kind of. It's nice when it comes down and things feel a lot less cluttered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what helps to not be cluttered is your code. Because if you have less cluttered code, that means you're going to be crashing less. But 
crashes can still happen, especially when you decide to be a little lazy and not clean up your code <laughs> that quickly. Like, if you clean it up only once a year, maybe you'll see some crashes during the year. Uh, and so that's why we would recommend you use Sentry. Uh, Sentry is an open source framework that you can add to your code base that will help you detect crashes when it inevitably happens uh, throughout the lifetime of your app. Because you know, sometimes we don't clean things up like we should, right, Zach? <laughs> I don't know what gave you that idea. I mean, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm not cleaning up, you know, real life around me, you can be sure that I'm not cleaning up my code as much as I should. Um, and it, it's it's what happens, right? Your code base grows. The more code you write, the more chances there are for an error to to appear in your app. And if you have an error in your app and it crashes, you want to know about it as fast as possible to allow you to, you know, start in on a fix. Uh, app reviews take time. They've gotten faster, but it's still going to be like a day or maybe two, possibly even more, before you can get that uh, fix out onto the store for people to start downloading. So the faster and the sooner you know about a crash, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, and I mean, you could even have the the crash reporting come in from your beta testers and be able to see that as well. So you might be able to catch crashes before it even hits your normal user base, which is fantastic if you can do that. Um, but like I mentioned before, Sentry is free and easy to use. Um, it also has a bunch of premium features as well. Those do cost money, so we recommend you use our promo code, Fireside Swift, all one word, Fireside Swift. That'll get you $100 off new accounts. So if you go to Sentry.io right now, you can get that discount. We'd like to thank Sentry again for sponsoring Fireside Swift. All right, so... It seemed like there was a lot of Twitter activity. <laughs> I was a little bit out of it this week because of dealing with Rocky and just like, I think I'm dealing with some allergies as well. Uh, but I did notice my phone blowing up from time to time. <laughs> um, what, what was going on? What, what was happening, well, Zach? There was there was a lot that happened. Um, and in fact, we actually, this doesn't happen all the time, but we had to cut a couple of things from follow-up just because we don't want this whole episode to be follow-up. So let's go <laughs> ahead and get started. Uh, we heard from Veritas Fructus. Uh, they said, great episode. Just after I've released two barcode slash QR code scan apps, one private called Rapid, Rapid Sale. Uh, I love the many use cases mentioned in the podcast, inspiring for developers. Nice. nice. Yeah, well, I'm so. happy that you, you know, you got a lot out of it and, you know, maybe we gave you a, a couple of ideas. You already have an app built, right? So maybe adding a little extra functionality won't be that bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, just want to say, you know, apologize ahead of time. Um, I didn't realize how much I would have to say about QR codes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I knew how much I was going to say about Twilight Imperium, uh, which I, right. which is why I kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And then, you know, I, I blame Zach for, for the after show. Um but uh, yeah, QR codes, that's all my fault. So I'll mm -hmm. take that. Um. I didn't know you were that <laughs> passionate about QR codes. Yeah. Yeah, QR codes are mm -hmm. pretty cool, actually. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> happy with them. But we did also hear from at Ramirez underscore dev, and uh, they said, I was surprised that you didn't discuss the possible security issues with QR codes. Isn't it possible to create a QR that redirects you to a malicious website or inject malicious code? 
Absolutely it does. And that is I a great point. Cannot, I can't believe we forgot to talk about this. Um, <laughs> yes, this is actually something you need to look out for. Uh, of course, malicious websites, anything that could direct you to a website could potentially cause harm. Uh, I like to think that iOS devices are completely secure, but uh, that's not actually the case. Uh, it's, it's possible that... Uh, a bad actor could, uh, you know, put a QR code somewhere that takes you to potentially an exploit that I don't know about that can do something to your phone. So always be aware of that. Uh, yeah, that's just there's not. <laughs> I mean, you could like let let Safari take care of that. There's not a whole lot you could do about malicious websites um, unless you just. Don't let people open websites with your <laughs> QR code reader. That's something you could do. Yeah. Um, injecting malicious code. That one seems a little harder to do. But um, if you are using the deep linking functionality, it is possible that if you don't secure it appropriately, uh, yes, you could have somebody scan a QR code and it could potentially take them to a part of your app that they shouldn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those, those are all very good points. I think, you know, the it kind of comes down to think before you scan, right? Like, yes. I want that on a t-shirt. Think before you scan with a QR code underneath <laughs> it. And I haven't decided what that QR code is going to do yet, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have it do something great. that is it's like, <laughs> take it to a, a, a website that looks like it's installing the virus. There you go. Yeah, but I mean, it's Ramirez underscore dev, you make some very, very good points. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we also heard from at Urbanization. Uh, he said, thanks for the app shout out. I'm currently working on an update to make the app look a lot better. Support, uh, support social media and conform to dark mode coming soon. Also, my app is free. <laughs> there you go. So you don't have to pay anything. That was for the, uh, the essentially the QR code is a business card or it's your contact mm-hmm. info. Uh, yep. That app. Um, which I remember saying the name. Uh, I should have looked it up before we read this. Um, gonna go find it again. Talk sure, tech. go for it. I mean, it's cool that it's free. Uh, you know, you could have just started charging a couple bucks to yeah. me. That way we <laughs> wouldn't be. That way we wouldn't be liars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be for your personal gain. It's mainly for <laughs> us to save face, right? Yes, so totally. If you it do start free, charging it free after we said something, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's probably what it was. <laughs> I mean, you could you could start charging with a clear conscience uh, <laughs> and just say it's our fault if anyone asks. And the app name is QRDS. QRDS. Uh, just the the letters. So <laughs> there you go. So go download it. It's free. It's, it's very free. Cool. Much it's like look, this podcast. Free. Yeah, and it's it's gonna get new style very soon. So look mm-hmm. look out for that. Well, now we're putting him on the hook. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe also, maybe you can uh, charge for the new style. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Do you want dark mode? Pay me. Um, exactly. <laughs> in-app in purchase. Uh, <laughs> we also heard from at FXDLSWriter. What does that stand for? FX... Fixed list writer. Fixed list writer. Yeah. Fixed the list. Fixed, fixed downloads, fixed downloads writer. Okay. So, <laughs> day ninety-eight of one hundred, reviewed complex types, almost finished a table view challenge, and had a great f- and had great fun listening to Fireside Swift. We're uh, fun. 
You were fun. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Just want to give you a shout out. Uh, love anybody who's trying to do the uh, the hundred day uh, uh, Swift challenge or coding challenge, however you want to do that. Um, especially when it involves us, we love that. Um, <laughs> but uh, just want to give you, uh, you know, number one, congratulations on. Yeah, at this point, you finished. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so congratulations on that. Um, that's a huge accomplishment. That's honestly, I don't think I could do a hundred days <laughs> in a row. I was gonna say the same thing. I really, I don't, I don't think I could do a hundred days. It's it's a very yeah. hard, uh, hard. What you, wait, what are you challenge talking about? You did three hundred sixty-five days of completing your rings and on the watch. But see, app. you if can you do had, that. No, if no, no. You, it's, if, I you think were, coding... if you were posting on Twitter day one, day two, you are the kind of person that would f- actually do it. But it would be extremely diffi- difficult. Well, so is right? getting your rings every day for an entire See, year. It, that was actually easier. I think that was actually easier for me to do than it would be for me to do an hour's worth it, of... It's not an hour, I don't think. I don't yeah, think it's no, it's an hour. Is it a full hour? I think every that's day? what it's supposed to be. I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was just like spend at least a little time every day. Okay, now that you know it's an hour, what do you think? Oh, that's way harder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's way harder. Because <laughs> like, so there's those days when you just don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't Good think job. I could. I don't think I could do it. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed with everybody who uh, is going through that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we also heard from Geeky Dev Joe. And then, Steve, I think this is mainly a question for you. Uh, <laughs> why are all your episode episodes tagged as season one in your podcast feeds? If you don't have seasons, then don't include the season tag. <laughs> I, fair point. That's a We're fair still point. in season one. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> just wait till you hear the the uh the what's the the final episode and then we go into season two i mean it's oh, gonna yeah. be a I mean, huge cliffhanger this is this has been a warm-up this entire yeah. time actually yeah. we're not even in season one this is just the trailer this is the pre-season an extended extended trailer for what season one will be oh man all right so the real answer is we Oh, let's see. We started on Cast. That was our original podcast RSS feed, and it asked for a season number. So, of course, you know our first few episodes <laughs> throw in season one. Cool. And at one point, or a couple points, we're like, should we do a new season? Like, we asked. I think to, Zach and I asked this to ourselves. We asked it um, after the first year. You know, should we go to season two? And we're like, nah, I want to keep going. <laughs> And then we got to 100 episodes and was like, should we change it now to season two? Went, nah, we'll leave it at season one. I kind of, it's kind of neat to see like how many episodes we've ever done. Um, <laughs> so in all reality, we should probably drop the season tag. Yeah. Um, honestly, I thought it was kind of required, so maybe, <laughs> maybe I could drop it. But now I don't want to go back to all of the episodes <laughs> in the RSS feed and get rid of the season one tag because if it if for some reason like 114 episodes have or 113 episodes have the season one tag and then all the episodes afterwards don't have the season one tag what happens for those podcast uh, apps that care about season tags are they yeah. going to change where your episodes are, are they're going to end up in a different order and i don't want to ruin that <laughs> so yeah i think we're probably just going to leave it at season one until 
Until we decide arbitrarily to go to season two. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be some weird number. Like 216. Yeah, Mm -hmm. talk us at 216. (laughs) See if we're still in season one by then. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. And (laughs) if it's really a problem, I'd love to hear, like, why is it a problem if you have a season tag and... You know why you wanted to not have a season tag. Well, I think the point is that it just uh, doesn't make sense, right? Like, no, it doesn't. And so yeah. that's well, but that's... except that we are in season one, or maybe I should have put season zero. You know, the first season. <laughs> so. Anyway, I I get what you're saying, Geeky Dub Joe. <laughs> cool. Uh, we uh, finally we did hear from Heffertron, um, and uh, Heffertron says that uh, how about a live podcast at this year's Hacking with Swift live conference in Bath? Paul. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't put the Paul there, but uh, yeah. It was implied. It was implied. Um, it was an, there was an implied Paul. So, Zach, should, if, 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 if Paul Hudson asked us to do a live podcast recording at uh, Hacking with Swift Live, would, we, uh, would, would you be willing to do that? I would consider. I would need to get a passport. <laughs> Yo, you need <laughs> and, a, yeah. and a plane ticket. Yeah, a plane ticket, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm not going to row there. Um, I would Wait, consider is, it. Isn't that how you normally travel to, uh, to Europe? No, no. We talked I, uh, about this. We talked about this. Did we? Yeah. Oh, we've talked about so much that <laughs> I'm. I don't want to contradict myself. So <laughs> okay. just go back. So you're fine with rowing? Episode. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll row. I'll row. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be really. Although I'm neat. fairly sure I'll still need a passport. You Although, still need a passport even I'll, if you row. <laughs> no, well, I mean, as long as there aren't any border checks, I should be fine. <laughs> Uh, the sheep that you would be riding when you get there uh, will also require a driver's license so yeah that's unfortunate you're gonna need both of those Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh, Paul if you're listening uh, you know we would definitely consider that so uh, I wonder how many people would show up I don't know I have no idea. I mean, there we have be, at least one or two listeners. So I think what I think what Heffertron is really asking for is just a private show for him. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that does make more sense. <laughs> just <laughs> Steve, Zach, and Heffertron, like on a balcony somewhere, just talking. Yeah, just chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Hevertron, yeah, and Hevertron was actually the I think the only tweet I saw to mention that um, the audio issues that we had last week, and I'm going to anticipate this week as well. We're probably going to have audio issues. Um, I'm going to ask you right now, Zach. Have you heard any static on my line? No, I haven't heard a single crackle. All right, so maybe my mic's fixed. I did cha- I did mess with the gain a little bit to see if that would fix it. Um, but last week, uh, something was wrong with my recording equipment, and there was nothing I could do. Uh, there was lots of static on my line. Literally don't know what was causing it. Uh, but I did order a new microphone, so um, I, did, I had a gift card for Amazon, so I was able to cut the cost down a little bit <laughs> nice. um, yeah so hopefully uh that won't be a problem in the future so it was time to upgrade anyways there you go i mean these have been hanging around for a while now yeah yeah i mean the blue yetis are pretty good but uh i don't know i'm thinking about uh up in the game a little bit so Ooh. Yeah. well I, I can't wait to hear you yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> Should be good. All right. So, Zach. So, Steve. Don't you wish when you say things like <laughs> how, how when you normally travel to England, you do so by rowboat? Mm-hmm. Don't you wish you could just, you know, go back in time and change that? <laughs> oh, are you are you asking me if if I had a big magic rewind button, could I go back and and uh, fix decisions I've made? Yeah, fix things be, I've said. I yeah, would love that. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, obviously you can't do that, uh, but you can change what you say in the future. However, right? Um, are you presupposing that what I have said in the future has already been said, and that time is just a large infinite loop? I'm just saying that what you've done in the past is a factor about what you say in the future. And so you could potentially, I don't know, refactor how you say things in the future. Oh, okay. I see see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 no. Um, You know, past experiences will inform your future decisions and and it will cause them to change. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you're programming yourself to uh, act in the future and uh, you can change that programming. Would you refact? Is that what you were going to (laughs) say? You can refact that. (laughs) (laughs) True. Did you know that you can also do that in code? You know, I had heard about this, but I don't believe it. Have you never done this? I've never done this. No, oh, this is going to be an... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> would that be uh, terrible? That would be, uh, no, be well? refactoring is something that I do often in going. <laughs> Imagine if you never refactored ever. Exactly. Imagine like, that. Think, think about that world. And I don't yeah. really have to think too hard because I could go back to the first Swift app I ever wrote that was written and then never touched and (laughs) that's that's what it would be like only more of it because it has been a couple of years now yeah i mean that's technically yeah if you wrote well but i'll bet when you wrote that code to begin with you could not have written it perfectly the first time so it runs you probably had to refactor it in some form or fashion while you're writing it Mm, yeah yeah for sure yeah but anyways i digress Let's explain <laughs> what we're talking about for those who don't know what refactoring is. What is sure. refactoring, Zach? So it's when you make improvements to your code, uh, but you don't actually change the functionality. Yeah. So if you have a, a screen that shows the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, um, you go in and you change your code. Maybe you, you rename something. Uh, maybe you update some logic. That screen still says 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, so maybe you had hard coded one, two, three, four, five in the past, and then you realize, oh, you know, it'd be kind of nice that maybe in the future I want it to say, like, to um, uh, go all the way up to 10. And so now you have it use a range of numbers instead of just uh, hard coded one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be a refactor. And then you could potentially use that code elsewhere. Right. Right. So, why do you refactor? Yeah, so I think that's uh, the biggest thing. Uh, why do you refactor? Well, um, oftentimes the f- when you initially start writing, you know, an app uh, or just any kind of code, uh, <laughs> you oftentimes just want to get it to work at first. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard enough to get something to work, and when you get it working. 
and you look back at all of the debugging that you had done, the Googling and, and whatnot, you look back and realize, wow, n- not only is this super disorganized, uh, I repeated myself like a whole bunch of times. <laughs> this could be consolidated here. Um, there's, I could do this faster and more efficiently if I did this method, you know, so on and so forth, or th- mm. use this kind of pattern. So, uh, yeah, that would be why you would refactor is, uh, oftentimes you, you, well, another thing is like you could paint yourself into a corner pretty easily. Yep. And so sometimes you have to refactor in order to add a new feature that you care about, not just, not just making things look nice. Right. Well, I I think about it like, um, writing a book. If I were going to sit down to write a book, I wouldn't go like chapter one, Blah, 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 blah. I type it all out <laughs> and then think, okay, that's perfect. I'm never yeah. revisiting this ever again, right? Yeah. By the time you finish writing that book, your notions of what you wanted to have in that book have changed, most likely, mm-hmm. right? Um, you need to go in and kind of fix some of the holes that were left. It's the same thing with code. Uh, when I'm you know, my first table view I ever wrote, there was code everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And there was there was just weird if do you remember my, my pyramid of doom? Oh yeah. Like that was oh, one of yeah. the first things we ever talked about. Yeah. I had if lets, I was unwrapping like a bunch <laughs> of optionals with if lets. There was like seven the different levels of in uh indentation. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, no, it was it was really bad. I actually I did. I went back and I refactored it to use guard statements and it looked a lot cleaner and it was mm-hmm. easier to understand. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember one of the no, it was literally the first app I put on the App Store. I remember being so proud that I thought I followed uh, Model View <laughs> Controller really well. I thought, um, this is how I learned how to code. I know I followed it and you know, everything works great. And I mean it worked great i mean it was um i i tested the crap out of it and so like it actually was very functional and and did everything it was supposed to do um but then i went to draw an object diagram for my friend who was going to uh write the android (laughs) version and put it on the uh the play store and uh that's when I realized that I was referencing things I really shouldn't have. <laughs> and uh, it was not Model View Controller at all. It was spaghetti code that was that worked really well because uh, <laughs> I tested every edge case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all connected, right? It was very connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> subviews were referencing their controllers. And, and uh, oh, it was bad. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely had to refactor that uh, to continue working on it. Right. So I would say, you know, one of the reasons you refactor is to clean up your code, make it more understandable. Um, another reason is because you've learned more than you knew when you started out when you were writing an app, right? There, mm-hmm. there has been an app idea that i've had that i've started writing i think three times now okay just completely from scratch and each time i i start out writing it i do it differently 
Okay. Like, and not even, it's not like small tweaks. It's like entire objects are completely different. And I've moved things in different places. And each time I write it, I, I kind of compare what I had before to what I have now. And I feel like what I have now is better because it's more concise. And if I had someone else come in and look at it, they're more likely to be able to understand and work on it uh, alongside me. Mm-hmm. Um and like that that is also i guess you can kind of look at that as a refactor right it's just a whole cloth it's more of a rewrite right but it's it's kind of a refactor in that i'm basing but, it all off of old code but if it basically does the same functionality and just written in a different way that is actually a refactor mm-hmm. yeah i mean that falls under the definition right yeah i mean but mm-hmm. like i would consider it that like sometimes you do have to just tear it all down and rewrite it in order to truly refactor because it was poor so poorly written the first time <laughs> um yeah but uh you know I, I think this kind of gets into you know how do you refactor um mm, because no. You know, if you if you do have like a major idea and you figure out a new way to do it, sometimes the how is to tear it down and write <laughs> it from scratch again, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, that depends on the case. Uh, yes. If you have a fifty thousand line app and uh, you want to, you know, refactor a view controller, you definitely it, don't want to tear. The you, whole don't, thing down. you don't. You don't want to tear that whole <laughs> thing down. Um, what I have found is that I use the rename function a lot in Xcode. Mm. Uh, that that actually gets me a lot of the way there. Because um, yeah. I've learned that when I write variables and function names the first time, they're actually really poor. Because I'm thinking about it in a fairly narrow scope. Like, I want a function to do this thing. And so I will name it in a way that makes sense at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go back and I'll look at it and I'll think, well... I could actually make that name be more broad and more generic mm-hmm. because this function, you know, if I put it in the context of what I was working on, yes, it does that, but it can also do these other things as well. Yeah. Now, that's actually a common thing for me as well. Now, I didn't used to use the rename um refactoring tool in xcode all that often because it used to not work very well (laughs) oh Um, i actually i actually used this i used it this week and uh something that i found out i used it it was uh, thursday it was thursday um we have uh we have one like central core object in our app that basically is used on every view controller okay Um, sounds like this is going to be a nightmare keep going and I we had a bunch of names in there that I wrote when I first got to the company that I'm at, uh-huh, and uh-huh. again it was domain knowledge, right? When I wrote the names, when I named the stuff at the time, the it made sense to me given my domain knowledge. Now I have a deeper understanding yeah. of what I'm doing, and so yeah. I was able to update the names so they made more sense to what they actually were. Um, but it was maybe ten variables and three functions. Okay. Use the rename tool. It worked great for the app. It did not work in the tests. 
Oh, going from pro- yeah from from yeah. target to target. Target it didn't to pick target. it up, and I I didn't run the tests uh, on my lo- machine locally oh. before I submitted the PR because we have uh, a Jenkins job that runs all yeah. the tests, and so yeah. it's just not kind of anything we do. So I I submitted the PR and we have it uh, integrated with Slack, and I get a Slack message like, "Oh, your test failed." And I thought, well, that's that's a little weird. It's not unheard of. Sometimes Jenkins sure. can get a little fuzzy. So I went and looked at it, and it was like, you know, a hundred failing tests. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I yeah. ran the app. The app ran fine. Why are all the tests failing? And then I opened it up, and it was just this ocean of red. Uh, and it was yeah. all all renaming. Luckily, I could do uh, find and replace mm. in those test files, and that saved me a lot of time. But um, it was definitely like my heart froze for a solid five <laughs> seconds, just in, in sheer terror of what I had done. <laughs> well, that actually leads me to what I was going to say next. I'm really glad that th- that's a great segue into this. Uh, See, that's you how ha- you do it, Steve. <laughs> no, no. That's not how I do it. That's how you do it. And you did a great okay. job. I'm just giving you a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. You should also give me compliments for my great job with, com- with, with segues. And when you have one, I will. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so tests. Tests can really help you uh, refactor uh, because, like you found out there, Zach, uh, that, uh, you know, it, in this case, you refactor, but you forgot to refactor all your code. Yep. Um, it also could happen that you refactor and it turns out that something you thought was going to work actually doesn't after the refactor you thought Mm -hmm. you were gonna have the same functionality but you actually don't and that's why having tests is awesome Mm -hmm. because uh it could catch when you fail at refactoring Mm -hmm. yeah especially yeah so i was just gonna say it provides that safety net you know yeah especially if you're refactoring some logic Mm -hmm. um again i remember a time when uh i had to return a what was it it was a timestamp i believe but it could be nil and it could be one of seven different timestamps we get from the back end based on the state of an object right mm-hmm. and my code uh when i first wrote it was you know if state equals this if state equals this and you know yeah. return blah 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 sure but you know if the state was in uh in one position, we needed to return. Um, we could possibly return three different times. Okay. But we needed to return uh, the best time as long as it was not nil. Okay. And so then, like in this if statement, I had another if statement that would check <laughs> whether uh, the the best time was nil, and if okay. it wasn't, it would return that time. And then I had an else statement to check the next best time. Yeah. And if that wasn't nil, return that. And uh, I was able to clean that up by changing my original if statement to a um, switch statement uh-huh. and go off cases. So I didn't have uh, I didn't have this massive if kind of parentheses or uh, yeah. braces everywhere. And then the return, I, I removed that if block as well. And... Mm-hmm. Instead, what I did was just use um, the nil coalescing operator. You know, the two question marks. Yes, it clean. It went from like twenty line of twenty lines of code to four. Wow! Right, 
Like it was, wow. it became so much cleaner and you could look at it and in five seconds understand what was happening as yeah. opposed to having this massive block and being like, okay, well, if this, and then, okay. Uh, and then finally figuring out what you're returning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it, it made it more understandable, more readable. Um, and uh, being able to do that, helped me out in the future because again i was using this variable everywhere um and so whenever i had an issue with that variable in of this object in a done in another page in another context i could easily go back and see where the problem was yeah yeah i mean that's that's the the reason why you put uh tests in your code code base Mm -hmm. yeah um i you know um Jeez, uh, one of the things I really want to get to uh, is test-driven development. And in test-driven development, we talked about this a long, long time ago. Remember that, Zach? Yeah, yes, I do. We did it was, an episode it was a on bit. It. Yeah, um, but like the second step, the third step, I don't remember, but of test-driven development um, is to refactor. So you actually you write the test. You uh, you write a test that's going to fail, and then you write the code to pass the test, and then you refactor. So mm-hmm. it's the third step. Yep. Um, and so like that's, it, but you it's since you wrote the the code to pass <laughs> the test, uh, you you're gonna have the same functionality uh, when you refactor. So the, that's the idea. Is like you have the safety net. Now let's look at the functionality. Can we do it a more concise way, a better way, or more robust way uh, to be and still pass all the tests? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like if you want to, if you have a function that is going to return two every time, you could say mm-hmm. return one plus one plus yep. zero plus zero, <laughs> and then refactor that to just be return one plus one, and then refactor it to just be return two. Yeah. I guess if that's if that if you have a function that does that, you could do that. I'm I'm making it as simple as I can possibly think to make it. But that would be that would be refactoring, and it's funny how often we have code that essentially is that exactly you know, exactly yeah like the if statements that uh, are redundant. You you'd actually <laughs> asked it twice, and it's like oh, I literally had the same logic there. Okay, mm-hmm. didn't don't need that. Um, yeah, yeah, it is kind of funny. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, it was a very contrived example, but it happens in the real world um, with real logic in a way that isn't just what is one plus one. And if you're writing more complex code and then you're going in to rewrite it uh, or refactor it, then, you know, like you said earlier, having those tests is kind of crucial. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's possible for you to refactor without tests, like you know, and that's the UI or unit tests that you could have in your code base. Um, you could definitely refactor without those. Uh, it's just harder, right? You have to yeah. really understand what your your code is supposed to be doing. Um, but then again, like you're probably doing that subconsciously. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably. Uh, writing your app, you know, tr- like getting a table view to work, especially like if you're a beginner, you're trying to just get that table view to work. And once you get it working and you see that, you're like, oh, okay, so I'm showing the cells now. Now I can make it a little bit more robust, change the names around and, and make it a little easier to read. Um, that's actually refactoring. Mm-hmm. And you're just doing it automatically because it just makes sense. And I think that's the key here is 
refactoring should make sense. Like it's, it's <laughs> obvious that you should do it. Exactly. And a lot of times, you know, when you'll be rereading code that you wrote in the past or even, you know, that past, by the way, could be yesterday. No, it yeah. doesn't need to be or last week, ago. last month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, I just mean code that has been written, right? Mm. Um, if you're going to if you're going to refactor something that's really complicated and you don't have a test for it, maybe write a test for it first. Yeah. Make sure yeah, that absolutely. passes and then refactor. Yes, that will help you. <laughs> that will absolutely <laughs> help you. Um yeah, I think that's a I would recommend, but uh you know, I I also want to acknowledge that the reality is oftentimes we don't write the tests, you know, um, particularly if you're just starting out, um, you just may not be thinking about that yet. Or maybe you don't know how to write tests and yet it's mm-hmm. just not something you've learned about yet. Um, obviously, we would say you should learn that and hopefully you get to that point. But that shouldn't stop you from making cleaner code and like going back and <laughs> fixing your code, even if you don't have tests. Yeah, I I agree. Um, But, you know, this might be a good way to build out a test suite, though, right? Because you typically don't refactor your entire app Mm, at the same time. Sure. So if you are going in to refactor, maybe think, well, uh, this is a good time for me to learn how to write these unit tests, write, you know, two or three and do a small refactor. And and that way, you know, alongside cleaning up your code, you're also building out this test suite, which will save you in the future. I can pretty much promise you that. Well, one one of the interesting things is if you don't know how to write tests, you might have to refactor your code so you can write tests. <laughs> that is so true. That's, <laughs> that's actually like, something I did this week. I think that's one of the main reasons I've seen people refactor code. <laughs> that is something I did this week. I had uh, I had a private function that needed to be moved out to a different a different place and be mm-hmm. accessed publicly, um, and. Because I needed to write tests against it, um, and yeah. obviously there's more to the story that I can't really go into. Sure. But yeah, no, it and it was it was part of a big refactor, and it was but that was driven. The refactor was driven by the fact that I needed to write the tests. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I want to you. I want to do more protocol oriented programming because that is easier to test. <laughs> but my natural tendency is to write object oriented programming because that's what I learned, and mm-hmm. it's the the model in my head that is the the easiest for me to comprehend, especially when I'm just writing code on the fly. So oftentimes I will just get it to work object you know in an object oriented way. That's much harder to test uh, and then i will think oh you know what all this stuff can actually be put in a protocol and then i can do a default implementation of that protocol and voila that takes care of my super class and now i can just pass that around as a protocol mm-hmm. so anyways that's that's a refactoring that i often do now or Another thing is I want to do more functional programming. And so I look at my for loops and I look at my, uh, you know, things, you know, like, yeah, well, if I have a for loop, I'm probably not doing something functionally like I should. And so uh, I look at that and go, well, okay, so I'll get it to work with the for loop because, again, that's how I learned a program. It's easier for me to think about that. 
But then immediately after I finished that, it's like, okay, it works. Now a for loop can either be a map or it could be a compact map or it could be a sort, a filter or whatever. And so it's like, I will condense it down to something that's more functional. And that makes me happier because A, it's something I want to learn more of. And B, I know it's going to be less buggy in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to put it. And that's a that's a good trigger, I guess, for uh, refactoring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the technical term is. Have you heard the the term code smell? Code smell? No, I don't smell my code that often. I've I've heard it a couple of times, and it's <laughs> stuff like, you know, if if you have a a for loop that could be done in a more elegant way, um, I I uh, don't honestly use this term. So I was okay. just curious if you'd ever come across before. It sounds like mouthfeel. Have you heard that oh, term? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has a good mouthfeel. <laughs> My code has a good mouthfeel to it. My code's got a good smell. <laughs> but it's, it's basically, it's supposed to mean like indicators that things could be cleaned up. I yeah. think is what the the actual definition of a code smell is. Whereas mouthfeel is when I lick my computer screen, mm-hmm. it feels good on the tongue. Well, you know, that's uh, Steve Jobs. He wanted you to make something so beautiful you could lick it, right? Like that's, right. That's I, what he yes. wanted. Yeah. yeah. Although, I don't know. My Mac Pro doesn't look very lickable uh, since uh, they got rid of those fancy gel-like colors. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing stopping you from licking it, though. It just looks... It just doesn't look lickable like it used to. Right. Right, but that doesn't mean you can't. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I, I still do. I, I'm not saying I don't. I definitely lick it every day, but, you know. Every day. Okay. Every day. I mean, well, every day I write code, which is just about every day. So Is that how you, is that how you like, you boot it up or something? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. most I, people I use the, the fingerprint scanner. You, you, do you have, like, some third-party, like, tongue scanner? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> okay. well, it's just like you, you smell your code when you get done. I just lick mine when I'm done. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes feel. fine. You have to do like uh, it's a 2019 vintage. Uh, yeah. that, that function is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It tingles on the tongue a bit, <laughs> especially when I stick it in the USB port. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, when should you refactor? I think a good time to refactor is. Um, well, obviously, if you have a bug, right? If you have wait, a, would that would that be refactoring at that point? I well, feel no, like... no, 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 because you can fix your bug, but also clean up code around it. Okay, I actually would argue against doing that, to be honest. Really? Um, I See, I say, like doing that. I because would say be- okay, fix the go. bug. I would say fix the bug and commit that code. Have that you know, write your tests around it and everything. Commit that. Then, because you probably noticed the refact that you should refactor because it maybe caused a bug or something like that uh, in the past, um, then go back and refactor. And that way, when you have your commits in your your repo, you've got uh, a commit for fixing the bug, and that's good. And you've got a commit for uh, refactoring. And the reason I say that is that keeps your PR small, your uh, pull requests or you know the, the reviews that need to be done. That keeps them smaller, you know, the ch- less changes because. I hate it when somebody says, oh, I fixed the bug, and there's a hundred files that have changed and, like, a million <laughs> things that I need to review. And it's like, I can't tell if you fixed the bug because I don't know what you changed. And 
you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't do the same thing it did before because it you literally changed functionality. So it's not a refactor. It's a refactor and a bug fix. And that's really hard to review. See, I, I agree with you to a point, and then I disagree with you. You you do this to your reviewers, don't you? Yeah. No, I mean, if it's gonna <laughs> actually no, I my reviewers have asked me to refactor while I fixed bugs uh, because because one thing at a time, one thing at a time for a review. The reason the bug existed was because the logic was harder to understand. I I can so refactor see... to make it easier to understand that the bug was fixed. I mean, if you're if it's confusing like that, I could see a refactor with that as long so as that's... It's con- as long as it's contained in that. But oftentimes, I will see like somebody that I I am absolutely guilty of doing this. Um, I I set out to fix a bug. And while fixing a bug, I'll notice something else that's wrong. <laughs> Not necessarily something that's wrong, but it's like, that could be refactored to be better. And then I do both, and then that ends up being the the commit okay. you know, that gets reviewed. And so it's really multiple things. And really what I should have done is fix the bug. And even if the refactor involves the bug fix... Fix the bug. Say like, here is where the bug fix is. You can, and it's easy to see what the bug fix was. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, another branch that comes out uh, after the bug fix, and it's incorporates that bug fix, but also refactors everything I want to refactor and say, okay, so between these commits, literally no function functional change, but I have refactored everything so it's much clearer. I will agree with you on that. Like, if if you are, you know, actively fixing a bug and then you find something else that could be cleaned up, you should not put that in the same commit uh, for the same PR. But I still think, like, if you're fixing a bug and the refactor helps you fix that bug, then you're you should. Say so as long as it's a localized refactor. And yeah, no, no, clear. I wouldn't say go across. You know, multiple files. I'm saying, like, if you have if you have a function in one file, and say you need to uh, update the logic and rename some of the scoped variables inside that function, and then also as you are looking at it, um, you know, rename some of the maybe class file class variables that are used inside that function. I would say that would be okay. But I, I say, wouldn't go yeah, much that further. Say, than that. Yeah, I would say it depends uh, because I can see that getting pretty hairy. Uh, because yeah, you start renaming things, and it's like yeah, it could. What I would want to avoid is like a bunch of line changes um, just to fix a small bug, and it's like okay, the bug has been fixed. That let you know that clears out a Jira issue. The bug has been fixed. Now let's let's re- go back and refactor to make it clear so we don't have this issue so we know you know how this is supposed to work in the future so we know we won't get bug bugs in the future. Right. But I think that's also living living in a very perfect world because typically yeah, it, my PR if my PR is done then I'm need to move on to the next thing and I don't have time to refactor and that code just stays the way it was. And I think that is that's actually what I wanted to lead to is why do you feel that way? 
Um, I think there's a very real reason, a very tangible reason why you feel that way, and I want you to say it. Why do you feel like you don't have time to refactor after you do the bug fix? Because I have other tickets that I am expected to get to first. Mm, Who is expecting you to get to these? (laughs) Basically, everyone above me in the uh, Mm -hmm. command chain, as it were. So, would you say that management or uh, higher-ups typically do not respect or uh, appreciate refactoring? Um, I think it depends. Uh, it's kind of funny because I was actually asked to think of things to refactor in our app and bring nice. it up to my manager on Monday. Nice. <laughs> That is a rarity, I think. But I mean that. But that's not something that would typically happen, right? Yeah, that's, that's... very, very rare. Uh, in fact, I, you know, through the jobs that I've had developing, yes, it's oftentimes you are put under so much pressure that you may be given like leeway to to solve a problem. Like, yeah, let's say it's a nasty bug, right? Mm-hmm. You're given three days or something like that to solve it. And it's like, we're going to stay off your back, take your time, get it done, get it done right. Right? That's yeah. You hear that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. A good manager will be that way. But as soon as you get it done, they're like, <laughs> oh, move on to the next thing. Yep. Even though during that time, you figured out ways to, quote unquote, get it done right, but it involves actually rewriting things <laughs> and, and fixing like a whole you know file and all that. So oftentimes what we do is we throw our refactoring into a bug fix because it's the only time we can <laughs> sneak stuff by. But like, you know, if you if you get to the bug fix in and and you know, that gets uh, PR like you know, it ends up being something really small and it gets PR'd and goes into the code base, um, the manager will oftentimes frown on seeing uh it looks like you spent let's say you got the the bug fix done in a day but then you spent two days on a big refactoring project they would think that you just wasted two days when in fact they gave you three days to solve the (laughs) bug fix so you're using your time appropriately and so oftentimes we we as developers (laughs) will sneak in the refactor with the bug fix even though that actually adds risk like right. I said, it makes it much harder to review that bug fix. Well, the three days in in their mind, and I'm lucky that I don't really deal with this that much. Yeah. Uh, the three days is the ceiling, right? That's the last yeah. day. That doesn't mean you yeah. can't get it done before then. Yeah, but they're not going to hassle you if you're still working on the bug on that exactly. third day. Yep. Uh, but if you've solved the bug and you're just making the code base better, oh, you're just wasting time. Um, and yeah. so... Uh, and you know i i'm i'm being i don't know overly dramatic about this uh, <laughs> but i've definitely seen this in the industry and um and it's not always the case there are very good managers out there that understand uh you know when you should refactor and that it is they appreciate refactoring they know that it makes your code base a lot better and helps reduce bugs in the future so it actually mm-hmm. helps you move faster and write better code um but uh, and and all, there are also good managers that know when you as a developer are wasting too much time <laughs> over engineering and refactoring too much. So that is also a trap you can fall into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that just that is something I've noticed. Though is refactoring tends to get frowned upon, um, not by engineers but by their bosses. 
Yes, uh, and that is the case sometimes. I will say that one of the reasons I was asked to figure out something to refactor, um, and maybe this will help other people, is because... You know, I have an annual annual review, and in that review, I actually brought up, you know, as one of my goals for this year, I want to refactor a part of the app. Huh. Like, so, I, I made yeah. it I made it a priority, right? But really, I feel like, I mean, that's good that you did that. Congratulations that <laughs> you, you picked a, <laughs> a good thing to do. Um, but uh, honestly, I think it should be your manager telling you that, you know, we should be refactoring and like actually put the onus on you instead of you having to tell them that that's what you wanted to do. And well, I, they agree. They believe that we should be refactoring, but we have parts of the app that need so much refactoring that working it in to, uh, I guess, a quarterly plan, right? Yeah. Would be difficult. Yeah. Um, and I, and again, I work somewhere where, I think 60 to 70% of the company are developers. The CEO is a developer. Um, yeah. You know, they, they understand refactoring and yeah. they, for the most part, know that it's needed. Um, but it's, it's hard to think, you know, when we have these other targets that we need to move forward on, it's, I can understand how it'd be hard to think that refactoring actually gets you there when, Personally, I do believe that it does, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're refactoring code, that means that you get future code done more quickly and mm -hmm. you get future code done with less bugs. <laughs> then yep. you're, you're hitting those targets still. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do. I found it interesting, like looking back uh, over the years that I worked at um, my last job. And I, I wrote several apps in that time. And um, oftentimes I wouldn't be able to go back to, I, I felt like I wouldn't have the time to be able to go back to the old code and, and fix it. But it, it's really interesting to see like the progression of certain things as I got better at coding, um, you know, as a better, you know, became a better iOS developer. There were things that I was doing in later apps that I wish I could implement in my older apps. <laughs> and uh, it would have made those older apps better, but I right. uh, never got a chance to do that. So what, what is your threshold for refactoring, right? Like when do you, do you just instinctively know you're looking at code and you're like, okay, well this, there's a new way to do this. There, this can be better. Are there times when you've been kind of on the fence and you, you think you may know a better way to do it, but you're not sure. Do you still refactor in that case? Uh, I, uh, I, I'm probably a bad example of this because, <laughs> you know, uh, oh. I, I feel like it's it's a for people who, who generally stick with one app and I did kind of have this with my last job or there's really one app that did stick with me for several years and that we iterated on and added new updates to but we were also a, a very very small team for a lot a lot of that time it was mainly just me <laughs> um, but uh, so and we also had about eight apps so I really didn't have time to go back and refactor like I'd want to mm -hmm. so what would be my threshold it had to be a pretty darn good reason like a new framework came out that makes everything better and you know it's 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 there's a you know performance issues or something like that and then it's time to refactor into that new framework or something of that nature okay um, and so you basically you looked at it and you knew it needed to be done kind mm. of immediately. 
Um, well, that, yeah, oftentimes, is, and when I'm thinking of refactoring instead of bug fixing, I think it doesn't need to be done immediately, but maybe there's no well, not, not, real need. Not huh? done immediately, but, like, you looked okay. at the code and you knew, like, that it could be refactored. Like, you should be refactoring it. Not that I mean, you needed, often, yeah. Not that you needed often, to do it immediately. Yeah, oftentimes it was, yeah, because... Uh, Oh, it's just it's old, right? Like yeah. it's been quite a while since I looked at the code, and maybe a new uh, Swift version came out, and so we're not taking advantage of of the newer language or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that that would be different for newer iOS devs? You, mm. Because I think that I learned quite a bit. When I did re- start refactoring, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's when, you know, I look at a piece of code I wrote and I think, I think I know a way to make this better, but I'm not sure. Uh, let me take some time and see if I if I can actually achieve those results. Yeah, actually, I think that's the best way. You know, that's like an open-ended, like looking at a section of code and saying, all right, I don't know if this can be better, but... I'm going to take a look at it and see if I can make it better. I think that's when the best results actually appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that if you run a software you know, development shop, uh, whether that's a big company, small company, or whatever, uh, I feel like a good engineering manager will require their engineers to spend you know, you know, some number of hours a week, or maybe even a day, uh, just focused on refactoring. Mm-hmm. In that sense, like an open-ended refactor, where it's like you look at a section of code and say, "I'll bet you this could be better," and just spend time with that puzzle, seeing if you can make it more efficient. Yeah, um, I think that would be amazing, and I think you would see amazing results out of that. Not spending the entire day on refactoring, <laughs> not like 90% of your time refactoring or anything like that, but um, but spending a portion of your day or a portion of your week focused on refactoring mm-hmm. uh, I think would yield huge dividends to the company that does that. So what let, let's kind of start wrap, wrapping this up because we've gone for yep. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what pitfalls do you see with refactoring like what issues have you had with refactoring the the easiest pitfall the absolute easiest pitfall is um it's just like that uh tutorial um oh not syndrome but like the the tutorial uh, hell that we yeah that we talked about before um i think you can get into that with refactoring where you spend all of your time refactoring Mm -hmm. and so um you just over engineer the crap out of your app like you just think oh well we might need this in the future and it's not generic enough and you know like you start adding like way way too much Mm -hmm. and uh you overthink it and so your refactoring instead of simplifying things (laughs) actually makes things worse you stole my answer yeah, <laughs> that's what my answer was going to be—is just over engineering, right? Because absolutely, sometimes you just want to add bells and whistles and frills and mm-hmm. be like, I, "I learned this cool new thing," and you know, no one else really knows it. Like that's something else that can be a problem with refactoring, right? If you mm-hmm. refactor it so it's easier for you to understand, but harder for everyone else in your company to understand. Oh yeah, 
maybe not a good, well, good plus plan. if you're if you're refactoring just because the new hotness came out and you're like oh well the new swift version came out and it's got this new thing and it's so great we've got to add it in got to have it in right away and so you stop further you know future yeah. development and you you focus on this new thing and it turns out it's not as reliable as you thought it was mm-hmm. and you know or something of that nature sign and, in with apple <coughs> or like as soon as yeah, as got soon it. as you add the new thing there's another new thing you got to add that and oh there's a new framework i learned about so let's oh that that'll make our thing our our apps slightly more efficient and so you're just you you change out something and you you end up just spending all of your time slowly making your app <laughs> maybe better but uh you know you're you're not actually adding new features um and uh or potentially you're not spending time working on a new app that could be better mm-hmm. i've actually heard about this as a major problem in some of the larger tech companies where um, oftentimes uh, promotions are contingent on uh, adding a like making a major yes. change to the app yeah and so oftentimes that's like a major refactor or like a you know implementing a new framework that everybody ends up required to use or something like that so like there's this big focus on refactoring but the reality is, like, it just changed the way you did something, not made it better or not <laughs> anything else, but it was just so somebody could get a, 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 a promotion or, or right. whatnot. Was the work you did valuable? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I think those are the major pitfalls I see. What, I agree. You, do you have any other ones? So my mine is kind of geared more towards uh, kind of newer developers i know i ran into this before you know before you really learn about um git and branching and writing Mm -hmm. tests you Mm -hmm. can refactor and break something right yep um if you don't have tests there to catch it and you don't have a a branch to fall back on because you're just writing code right yeah yeah you could very well like just really mangle some code in an attempt to refactor and then not really be able to get back to where you were that's something i completely forgot about um i've gotten so used to having uh get uh the safety you know, nets, right yeah some sort of configuration management in my life yep. that uh Man, it's just it's hard for me to believe, but there are probably still tons of developers out there that don't use a Git repository when mm-hmm. they create their app, um, not even a local one, and so their <laughs> configuration management is, you know, copying the the project into another folder and putting a date on it. Yep, you could run into some <laughs> major issues refactoring those that code. Exactly. So like that's and that is kind of uh, luckily by the time I started learning Swift. I, I had learned my lessons, but I had learned my lessons yeah. because of things like this, right? Like, oh, yeah. I learned that when I refactored and I couldn't get back to the place I needed to get back to because I broke everything, yeah. uh, that was a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, can, yeah. Command Z. <laughs> you can only command Z so X- much. Only so much, and it doesn't work if uh, Xcode crashes in the middle of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in fact, that could make things even worse. Yep. So, yeah, so be very, very careful with that. All right, so um, I thought this was going to be a shorter episode, and we had a lot to say about this, apparently. We we usually um, do. (laughs) Yeah, these these more open-ended ones are actually (laughs) probably worse. Uh, I think we should probably cut it off, even though I'm sure we've got more to say about this. Yes, I, I agree. Let's let's go ahead and close it down. 
All right, cool. No, fi- any final thoughts? Any final words? Um, yeah, but that'll just make it another thirty minutes longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Refactoring's good. Do it when you can. All right, uh, perfect. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's uh, let's dive into shoutouts because we actually have five new shoutouts. So yeah. either the uh, aggregator waited a little while and then just <laughs> gave us a bunch, or uh, uh, just a bunch of you just listened to that uh, episode where we were like, we needed you to test this, so who knows. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, Zach, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So the first one is by uh, Dylan McSee underscore iOS. Uh, this was on January 5th. The title is Great iOS Podcast. Uh, and he says, awesome podcast discussing iOS and Swift's topics. Steve and Zach, and sometimes Ben, although he didn't say which one, but that's fine, yeah. uh, do a really <laughs> good job of breaking down complex iOS topics into easy-to-understand pieces. Steve and Zach are two down-to-earth guys that make programming topics easy to, easy to digest. I recommend to anyone in the Swift community or thinking about getting into Swift and iOS, uh, if you're looking to enhance your discussion segue skills, not necessarily your iOS segue skills, Steve is your guy. Yeah. That's so <laughs> unfortunate. Um, my favorite part of Steve's segues is the apparent fear. It's not, a, it's, it's real. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's real. It's, it's real, yeah, fear. It's fear. real fear. Uh, and Zach's voice as to what's coming next. Keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to seeing what's coming in 2020. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Dylan. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, you know, acknowledging uh, the true skills that I have with segways. You're um, only encouraging them, though. That's the problem. I, appreci- I appreciate the That's encouragement. That's the problem. Of course, it's like feeding a anything, feral cat; they never leave. <laughs> anything that makes Zach's fear uh, just just magnified, <laughs> uh, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, this is from uh, GID.M, so GID.M from the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a January. 6th uh, to 2020 so just making sure that's uh, accurate there amazing podcast guys I don't know if that's amazing podcasts. There's no comma there. Maybe it should be amazing podcast guys, like he's talking to us, or or she, he or she is talking to us, or maybe we we are think, the amazing podcast. I think guys. we are the amazing podcast guys. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> Hi, Zach and Steve. I love this podcast. It's amazing. There's a lot of exclamation points. This these first three sentences. So. I know it's wonderful. Yeah, there's like there's one a, exclamation point for every star in the review. There's a grand total of six exclamation points. Oh, there's points an there. extra one. And this review is not because you asked for it to test the <laughs> aggregator. <laughs> Definitely not that. <laughs> I will send you guys an email to let you know I sent the review. Uh, I don't have Twitter, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Do we get an email? I don't remember if I noticed uh, that. Um, maybe. Um, but uh, keep it up. Uh, P.S. I might have posted the review with a different name. So uh, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. To- I'm pretty sure we got this email. Yeah. Oh, okay. I All remember right. that All one. Right. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. So thank so, you. Uh, we appreciate yes, you. it. Like even though it wasn't a test uh, <laughs> review, it's a real review. That's even better. It's a real review. It's a real review. It. Yes. I really. I, I just. I love all the exclamation points. That's I do too. Part. And I want to see like someone who's looking for a Swift podcast to listen to, and they're reading the reviews. They come across that one first. They're probably wondering what they mean by test the aggregator. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> it's wonderful though. I, I you know, yeah. don't change it. I like it. Love it. 
Uh, the next one is by Travis Larson 21. Um, the title is Great Podcast, five stars. Uh, hands down, my favorite podcast that, that I subscribe to. Steve and Zach keep things fun and love all the info they talk about. Also, Zach is really funny. Keep the episodes oh, coming. This Zach, feels like col- Zach this is, is collusion, really funny, isn't it? Isn't is it? This- Yes, this he has is. to be collusion. What? This stinks. Says, this also, one stinks. Zach did you write really this fun. one? I did, did not. You write this this was uh, Travis Larson. Twenty one. Do you go by Travis Larson? That's my stage name. <laughs> is that Travis your Travis Larson twenty one? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you'll see me. I'm a busker. Um, you'll see me out on the Austin streets. <laughs> Travis Larson twenty one. I play nice. I play the uh, recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Travis, even if you're really just Zach with the recorder. <laughs> uh, all right, so the next one is from Bob Hobbit. Um, I hope that's your real name. From Hobbiton? Uh, yeah, I hope that's your real name, because that's, that's a cool name. Uh, this is uh, five stars. It's such a good feeling to leave a review. Oh, so good. Uh, I love the start of that. It just makes me think of the song. Um, Zach and Steve deliver a great podcast and have fun doing it. How do you know we have fun doing it? I, I guess it comes through. Okay. Yeah, I do have fun doing it. I would it. think the tears would mask it, but <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not. Uh, but there's the, that little hint of fear. you know. Yeah, point, that's so what everybody comes for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I come for. Okay. Uh, no matter what the topic is, there is something to learn in each and every episode and plenty to keep you entertained. Keep up the great work. P.S. I love the theme song by Mike Goldenpipes Dillingham. By the way, we heard from Dillingham recently, He's didn't we? He's back. Apparently he disappeared. He disappeared. He didn't respond to my Twitter message that I sent him, so... Uh, <laughs> I was afraid that he disappeared for good. Yeah, no, he's back. So. He's back. He says so. he's going to be in the audience next week, which I'm wondering what Sweet. audience is he talking about. Well, hopefully he's listening to this so he can hear what you know how many people love him. Yes, um, and that's what I told it, him. I said, you know, we're getting a lot of reviews saying people really enjoy the the song. You need to yeah. be a part of this. So to uh, finish off the review here, because it's all about Golden Pipes. After this, uh, it's the best theme song <laughs> in any podcast. Also, how does one burn three sides of a candle? I'm. You, if you haven't burnt three sides of a candle, you're just not trying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. I agree with that. Yep. Hashtag uh, Instagram influencer. <laughs> you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This last one, Zach. Sure. Uh, this is maybe the best. This is from Scranton Boy, January twenty tenth. January uh, January tenth. <laughs> Uh, the title, Testing the Review Aggregator. Uh, the review will change to five stars later. Yeah, it's one star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, and it's not from Scranton. It's from Scranton Boy. Scranton so Boy. Scranton Boy. Scranton Boy. Why don't get the name right? Because we're looking at you, Scranton Boy. <laughs> what are you going to change this to five stars? This is no, not five stars now. You got Steve so worried right now. <laughs> So worried. <laughs> we got it. Thank you. <laughs> the review it works. The aggregator. But now we tested. get to see whether that that update to five star works. So yeah, you know, so you we're gotta, curious. We're going to be everything. watching closely for that one. It's a quarter case. You got to check it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the aggregator was only grabbing the five star reviews. That's yeah. what it was doing. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is a successful test. We're also getting the one star reviews. I guess we should check two, three, and four. Is, yeah, no. That's 
No, we don't need to. <laughs> just five stars from here on out. Okay. That's I got you. I got I'm not you. even gonna read the one stars anymore. <laughs> I may. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, and thank you, Scranton boy. <laughs> Funny review. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and it looks like the aggregator is working again. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, hopefully we don't have any hiccups in the future. Uh, so I think just one or two fell through the cracks in the past, and maybe there was just a delay with some of these. So who knows? That's what it looks like to me. So I think I think we're back on the right path, um, and uh, we get to shout everybody out that I wanted to. Yeah, yep. that's great. Uh, do we have any announcements? Uh, uh, just want to remind everybody about Sean Allen's um, take-home project course that he he's doing. Um, you know, if you're looking for a job, this is one of the ways that a lot of companies go through the hiring process. Uh, they'll send you a project, then you have you know four hours to seven days <laughs> to yeah. complete. Um, and there's a lot of nuance there, and there's a lot of questions that you don't really get to know the answer to until after you've kind of gone through a few of these. So maybe if you want to jumpstart on that, uh, head over to Sean Allen's uh, Sean Allen's course and um, learn. <laughs> I yeah, guess. yeah. I mean, it's if any, just like everything, you'll do better if you practice more. And this is taking Sean's practice that he's done for quite a while now and uh, helping other people learn how to do these things and giving you a ton of tips and tricks on uh, how to uh, tackle these projects. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend it, uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Yep. And he's also someone who has a lot of experience on both sides of the table, right? Like he's yep. he's done a lot of these, but he's also given a lot. So Absolutely. He's he's been able to see a lot of you know mistakes other people make that you know mm-hmm. you get to learn from now instead of making them yep. yourself. Yep. Uh, finally, we want to talk about hacking with Swift Live. As Heffertron pointed out earlier in the show, uh, Paul Hudson is doing his conference again. It's back. It's uh, July thirteenth and fourteenth in Bath, England. Bath, England. Yep, yep. So. Just waiting for that invite, Paul. Uh, you know, just let let us know uh, <laughs> if you want Fireside Swift live. Uh, I personally, I just want to see Zach uh, row all the way across the uh, the Atlantic. Uh, I'm gonna have to stretch out my lats. But you know, this is you didn't read the notes correctly, Zach. Uh, that's not what the notes say. Uh, what what do they say? <laughs> the notes say hacking with swift live exclamation point exclamation mm-hmm. point exclamation yep. point exclamation point in parentheses explosion yeah because so. i think it would be that would be good if i was hoping you would drop one in right about now uh as you're editing just hacking with swift live like you know something there, there, something i, like, I like that that yeah. sounded great okay <laughs> So we, that, do, yeah, we do July, our own our yeah. own sound effects. We do. <laughs> July thirteenth and fourteenth of this year. So uh you can go to hackingwithswift.com slash live to find out more. Mm-hmm. All right. Well thank you everyone for coming out. Thank you for Century for so- thank you Century <laughs> for sponsoring us, and we will see you all next week. Y'all have a good one. It's such a good feeling to be at the end. A happy feeling that there may have been. A mistake or two So we'd like to hear from you Twitter's great Breaker might beat it Email's fine But we rarely read it But we love five-star reviews And we promise to mention you 
Get a pen and write this down <laughs> Just kidding, who's got pens around? Still they'd love to hear from you Steve Berard and Zach Bellew Tweet at Zach and have some fun At T-F-A-L-G or you do one At T-F-A-L-G or you do one He'll write back when his work is done Tweet at Steve and you will see Clever use of the emoji At S-W-B-E-R-A-R-D Fireside Swift has its own handle So you can burn three sides of the candle At Fireside underscore Swift At Fireside underscore Swift And if your message is a little too long There's Fireside Swift at gmail.com And FiresideSwift.com FiresideSwift.com Have you ever tried one of those escape room in a box? No, but I've been very curious about those. Yeah, we do tell. I've I've actually done a handful of them by now. Okay. Um, okay. This particular brand, it's called the Exit Game, okay. I believe. Um, and it's different from the others that I've tried in that uh, the actual. I guess props, for lack of a better mm. term, of what comes in the box is more limited than other things that I've used before. Um, okay. With these, you get basically uh, two decks of cards and then a booklet. And okay. there's um like one one quote unquote like real prop. Like the first one of the exit game uh, boxes I tried had some gem some plastic gemstones in it because we were on we were diving a sunken uh, ship to find some treasure oh. okay and then this one had uh, this little like cardboard cutout that was supposed to be uh, a table and then like this big okay. cardboard gemstone and then you had to use the the table and the gemstone at one point in the game to figure out one of the clues and move on okay um but it's it's different right like i would rather go to a physical escape room and do that and <laughs> be fully immersed okay. but this is not bad right and i think you can pick up one of these things for like 15 bucks okay. uh now, i've done the physical escape room yes, like several as of have those. I, yes how how does this differ besides you know actually having real props i mean it's it's so if the escape if the escape room is varsity level, the the escape room in a box is like JV or freshman depending on which. So they're simpler puzzles. Yes, it's 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 well, I mean sometimes it's simpler, sometimes they're more complicated, just because uh, I think they artificially inflate the difficulty by making things hard to understand, right? Oh, well, that's not fun. Yeah, and and uh, you run into a couple of those each time, like, per box. Now, I've done okay. two of the exit games. And those, when you get to those, you're like, okay, are we really going to have to sit here and try to work our way through this thing that is vague for no other reason than it wants to slow us down, right? 
Is it supposed to be on like a time limit of an hour, just like regular escape rooms? I mean, or? you you don't have to do that, right? Like you can just play okay. at your own pace. Um, when how long do they typically take? So Lauren and I did one that was an easier difficulty together, and it took us like an hour and a half. Uh, but that's also taking care of the girls in between, right? Like we would sure. we would start playing, and then one of the girls would come out and need something. We would go take care of that, and then we would get yeah. back to playing. So, yeah, it's, and it's not it's it's just a bunch of puzzles, right? It's a bunch of puzzles in a sure. box. The one that's fun that we yeah. did uh, last night, no Wednesday night, um, uh-huh. with Lauren, her sister, and her sister's husband. Uh, that one was an expert difficulty level, and it took all four of us two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Um, but it was also, okay. again, the girls were coming out, and Lucy was sure. crawling around and chewing things. And so that sure. that adds a level of difficulty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, that's just this, that's the real-life part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it depends, right? And there are some that you could probably fly through pretty quickly. Uh, I okay. know that I've had another brand. I think it took us, like, 40 minutes, which at that point... Okay. You feel good that you're like, oh, I just kind of blew through that. That's nice. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, I wish it kind of took a little bit longer. Yeah, you're like, I, but I just blew through that. <laughs> I was expecting it to take a little longer. Now we got to figure out something to do for the next hour and a half. Right. And I will <laughs> say that the expert level difficulty box that we did was with four people was more enjoyable than the mm. easier box we did with two people. Okay. Um, now that makes sense. doing it with more people also has, uh, different intricacies involved, right? Because what happens is you open up the booklet and well, not, let me, let me, let me just start with the deck, deck of two decks uh-huh. of cards, right? So you have okay. a hint deck and a riddle deck. I guess you have okay. three decks of cards. You have a hint deck, a riddle deck, and then, um, a solution deck. Okay. Um, the riddle deck has the letters A through Z, all twenty-five of them. Uh, <laughs> did you? Please tell me you got that reference. Yeah, okay. I got that. Yeah. Then why weren't you laughing? It was hilarious. Um, because it because it wasn't that funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A through Z. Um, now the the hint deck uh, has groups of cards. And they are set apart based on a symbol on the back of the cards, right? Okay. So it'll be like, you know, there'll be three cards with a square on the back, three cards with a triangle, three cards with an X, whatever. And kind of the idea is that when you're on Puzzle Square, you can look at one of those hint cards exactly. if you really need to. And that, like, lowers your score for the whole yes. puzzle. Yes, that's it. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> the Solution Deck has a number of cards, uh, and they have numbers one through... The first game we did had 1 through like 24, the second game had 1 through 28. Okay. Um and then you also get this dial with with three spinners on it, right? Okay. And each wedge of this dial corresponds to one of the puzzles in the booklet. And okay. they each have a symbol on the top, right? Yep. So yeah. you're like, okay, I'm on puzzle square. I look at this wedge, and then the dials on the the spinner have numbers on them. And so you will line up like three, two, one. And when you do that, there's a little window on the innermost dial that will uh, show a number. And okay. then you go to the solution deck, and you find that number, 
And then you, you pull that number out and it could have an X on the back saying, you know, this is wrong, incorrect, try again. Or it could have uh, another card and that card will show, it'll say, where do you see the symbol for this puzzle in the booklet? Um, and okay. they all, all the pictures line up to another numbered card in the solution deck. Uh, mm. and so then you go and find that numbered card and that one can also say whether you got <coughs> it, you got it wrong or right. Okay. Right. So you get it wrong. You start all over again, you get it right. Uh, and then it'll say, congratulations, you got it right now. Find riddle cards, B, C, and D. And use okay. those to figure out the next riddle. And that is kind of how the game goes. And the, the booklet is there to kind of act as the environment, right? So you'll open the booklet up. Like the one we did uh, on Wednesday night was a Murder on the Orient Express. And so the booklet mm-hmm. was the train. Okay. And it had different cabins in it. And so you had to see, like, there were eight people who could have been the murderer. And you had to look into each of these cabins to find clues and make your decision at the end on, you know, who you suspected. Okay. Um, overall, they are fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a great way to get like that escape game experience without, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, dropping all of the money. (laughs) Uh, they're expensive. It's also, the scheduling can be hard, right? Because you actually have yeah. to get to a place, uh, as opposed yep. to saying, you know, I can Babysitter. do this. <laughs> I can do this at my house, and if people are yeah. at my house, you can just pull it out. Now, something that is interesting about them is you can only do them once. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that. Which is like any other escape game, right? Like you don't want to do, mm-hmm. you don't want to go to an escape room that you've already done because you already know yeah. it. But you'll fly through it yeah. with. Uh, so the the two exit games, um, those you actually kind of destroyed some of the uh, some of the components of the game. Like, you would cut them up. Like, you would cut oh, up the cards or rip pages out of the booklet to do different things. Um, and so they... That's too bad, because that means you can't give it to somebody else so they can enjoy exactly. it. Exactly. Now, there are other games uh-huh. that you can actually, quote-unquote, reset, right? Like, you put yeah. all, of the, all of the props back where they went in the first place, yeah. and you seal it all up again, and you can actually hand it off. And let other yeah. people enjoy it too. So you can do that mm-hmm. with some of them, just not this brand. Gotcha. Um, you know, if if it is something, I think it'd be something good just to have around the house, right? Like Lauren got me these mm-hmm. for Christmas, and we've already we've already gone through both of them, uh, and it was kind of yeah. cool when um, her sister. And her husband, and her sister's husband, sorry, was here. Uh, we could just pull it out and have yeah. an escape game, right? Yeah. Um, and they enjoy it, too. It's it's one of those things that's different. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. you're sitting down to play your thousandth game of Monopoly or your fifth game right. of Mechatol Rex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Roughly equivalent. Yeah, same thing. Um, and so, you know, I'm actually a big fan of them. No, if you do go out and pick one of these up, it's not going to be a one-to-one comparison with what you're going to get. Sure, that's what I was expecting at, a, at an escape game. But it is, I mean, there are some things that are clever, and you do get the same kind of feeling of accomplishment as you move through it. Up until again, like every now and then, you just hit some that don't make mm-hmm. sense. And uh, we tried not to look at the hint cards. I think we only looked at two. 
um, okay. on the last one. And, and some of the times you look at them and they don't actually, they help. don't help. Like you're like, okay, I've already done this. Um, and that, yeah. the, the rules actually say like, if you look at a hint card and it tells you stuff you already know, that doesn't count as you getting a hint. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, interesting. So yeah, that, that happens kind of often. And, mm-hmm. uh, the bottom, the last card in the set for the puzzles in the hint deck. So if you're, if you're doing the square puzzle and you go through like the three hints, the, the bottom mm-hmm. card of that little pile for the square puzzle yeah. is a solution. So they will oh. actually wow. give it to you if you get too stuck. Um, gotcha. we, so you can get through the game. Yeah, you can get, you can get through the game. Right. And there's a whole, there's yeah. like a scoring system on the back. Like if you do it sure. in this amount of time with this many hint cards, you get this many stars and it's all, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like, it's all made up. The points don't matter yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, totally. But it's, I, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Like if it's, if an escape room, uh, scenario is something you enjoy doing. You will most likely enjoy doing this. Um, that's yeah. That sounds interesting. It is. It is fun. Probably more fun with more people, but doing it with less people. It also it's a little more intimate. And you know, mm-hmm. escape rooms. You don't really want to go with just two people. Uh, that would no. That would make you really it difficult. want more people. So, yeah, because there's usually too many puzzles for just two. People. Exactly. So if you're looking for something. Where you know it's just you and one other person, then these kind of fit the bill pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I actually like I need to go out and get more <laughs> just to have, just in case. You know, if we ever feel like doing it, we can yeah. we can bust one of them out. So I'm a I'm a big fan of them. So a- along those same lines, may I recommend Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? <laughs> sure. Have I have I told you about I... this? I think you've brought it up before, but I don't know if you've actually told me about it. Okay, so I have one... Yeah, I've got one copy of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Uh, I've got the Jack the Ripper um, one, so it's like the sequel to the original Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Mm -hmm. Um, It is in the board game genre, but it's as much of a board game as what you just described. Right. Um, So it's more... Uh, solving a murder mystery than uh, than actually a board game, and you don't move figures around on a board or anything like that. Um, it starts with a case, and you you know usually it's you're hanging out with Sherlock Holmes, and uh, you overhear something, and and you know you go set out to solve the murder. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time that Sherlock Holmes goes out and solves the murder, but you you do it in parallel. So you're try- are you trying to beat Sherlock to the answer? Exactly. Is that- <laughs> nice. Yes. Your goal is to beat Sherlock. Now, <laughs> you probably won't. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's Sherlock Holmes. There's a reason why he's, he's, he's legendary. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're probably going to lose. But <laughs> you get to compare yourself to Sherlock Holmes at the end. So it's like, number one, solve the murder mystery. Like, that's kind of fun just doing that, mm-hmm. like saying, like, we got the right answers. Sweet. Right. Um, that's great. And then you compare yourselves, like, well, we had to talk to, like, way more people than he did. <laughs> and I guess this is like, well, we could have done better. But we did solve this side murder mystery, too, so we got some extra points out of that. Uh, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, um, so the way the game works is, uh, so you get that, that case, and it gives you, the case starts off with, like, you get a few clues of where you might want to start. And then you basically have a map of London and a directory of everybody in London. And uh, last, uh, the last thing piece you have is like the newspaper of the day. Mm-hmm. 
and you look through those and determine what location in London you're going to go to next. And when you say, okay, we're going to go to that location, you write that down on a sheet of paper. We're going to go to this location. That's the next turn we're going to take, essentially. And then you go, you open up this book, and you turn to the address that you're trying to go to. And if there's an entry there, you get to read like that. There might be a clue mm-hmm. there that leads you to the next next phase. There's not anything. <laughs> you just wasted a turn. You just basically walked somewhere where there isn't anything, uh, nothing of importance. Um, but uh, in general, like you just uh, you go to these different locations and you read conflicting sides of the story. Uh, you you yeah. You just start going down rabbit holes that uh, you know didn't actually mean anything to the case, but you, they seemed like they would, but they really weren't. They're red herrings. Um, but yeah, so it's like you, it's really neat because you really have no idea how this you know how to solve this this mystery at the beginning, and. It, you know, it t- you could do it with one person. You could do it with six people. Everybody's you know <laughs> talking, trying to figure out what to do next. Um, and uh, yeah, it's basically very similar to what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And like, you decide when it's over, though. Yeah. Like, so it's not like getting through a series of puzzles, and once you finish the last puzzle, you're done, and you stop the clock. It's more like, well, I think we know <laughs> the answers, and then once you're done, you look at the back of the book. And uh, last page, upside down, is a series of questions. And uh, you you read those questions, and you write down your answers to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when you decide to stop, you read, like, there's usually like six to eight questions. You write down your answers to that. Uh, and then once you've written down your answers, there's an envelope that has the answers to them. Mm. And so you... I'm trying to remember the order. I think you... I think once you read the the questions and you answer them, then you turn the page and then you read essentially the end of the story. So like Sherlock Holmes telling you <laughs> what the answers were. Right. Um, but then once you've read that, you open the envelope and pull out the real like the the basic answers, mm-hmm. not like the story driven answers. Yeah. And it tells you it has like the answer and the points associated with it. <laughs> Um, and so then you could determine like we actually got this right or we didn't get this right or what's funny is like the last time I played um, the mystery that we got uh, there was one thing that we uh, uh, one of our players had us go to like this gun shop and we figured (laughs) out like that uh, this guy did sell this air pistol to somebody and we're like oh this is okay so this is great like we should obviously that was important but you know can't really figure out but um that a piece of that ended up being part of a question oh and we totally forgot that (laughs) (laughs) and so like we thought it was something else and we were very confident that uh, we had the answer to that (laughs) and as soon as uh we read the uh the story part and sherlock holmes introduces the part of why you would go to this one location um which again was just like really brilliant of this other player to think for us to go to this location i'm I'm trying not to give away like a, a case here uh, but it was really brilliant that this this uh other player that we had suggested we go to this location because i would i didn't think we should um <laughs> Well, and as soon as Sherlock Holmes introduces the character from that location, we went, oh, <laughs> we sh- 
of course that's the answer to that question why didn't we change it so we we yeah even though we knew the answer to a question based based on our evidence that we had found <laughs> we still couldn't connect the dots that like oh that's what we should have done yeah well, obviously that would be the well that's what you're trying to keep track of a lot of data is essentially what you're mm-hmm. trying to do right yep and, yep. and make the data make sense and mm-hmm. it gets interesting because you try to sometimes kind of like force it into well, yeah, I mean that's that's the whole point. Right. Is like you're making connections, and sometimes you're making connections that don't exist, or you're not quite making the connections that do exist. Yes, yeah, and then sometimes you get really like laser focused and tunnel visioned on like this has to be the thing that happened, and oh, yeah. <laughs> you keep turning well, like, like no matter like you keep turning up evidence yeah. saying like okay that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense that doesn't make sense and you're like but no this has to make sense yeah and uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a good life lesson right <laughs> yeah and I mean this game too is it's it's hard it is it is meant to be hard like it's um yeah, so it's it's a very adult oriented not in, oh, well, oh, maybe a little bit of content but not not mainly it's mostly like adult i mean it's murder mystery right. so um so i would not recommend kids play it but like it's adult in the sense that it's uh difficult it's the the cases are hard there are points when you stop and you're like i have no idea where to go next <laughs> like we've hit dead ends everywhere and then you think well let's just you know let's reanalyze the data and like you know let's look at the evidence again like wait what about this and like you start talking about it and like you like it feels like you're actually solving a murder mystery mm-hmm. like that's it, there's a transformation that happens during there it's it's neat it's just a really neat thing to do so i recommend it um it's definitely like what you suggested or like you were talking about with the escape rooms um where you don't want to do the same case twice right like once you've solved it, you've solved it. You'll know the answer. Right. So don't do that again. <laughs> um, but uh, each box of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective comes with ten cases. Oh, okay. And each case, again, it's you stop when you want to, but will probably take you upwards of two to three hours. Oh, wow! To solve a with case. a group I mean, of what size? Uh, so the two time the two cases I've done have both been with three players. Okay. And I don't know if you have more players, if that would help right. too much. Right, that's, that's the other thing is you when know, we had... At a point, it'll slow you down. Yeah, when we had four people around the table on Wednesday night, everyone had 80% of the same story, <laughs> but a different 20% for kind of the end of what happened and then how to figure out mm. the final puzzle. Because the final puzzle takes into consideration everything you found up until that point. Gotcha. And so everybody was like, well, we don't think it's the, this person, this person, or this person. And mm-hmm. then we could agree on that, but everyone had different uh, mm-hmm. different suspects they wanted to kind of say was the actual murderer. Yeah. Well, in this, this last uh, case that we did, I was adamant that it was this one person that did that committed the murder i'm like cut you know like let's just end it let's (laughs) call it this person it's like it's got to be this person the only person with motive and then uh we happened to go somewhere else i don't remember where it was or or whatnot but um we you know we happened to go somewhere else and talk to somebody and it was just like 
Oh, <laughs> really? This person has motive, and they're not the obvious culprit. Where this other guy was like, he looks like he's the fall guy, <laughs> but he's also the only one with motive. It was like, ah, but it can't be that straightforward, and it really wasn't. It was definitely this other guy, and so yeah, it was. It was just funny. It was like, it's it's neat how things click mm-hmm. in that game. Like somebody talks to somebody is like, or somebody makes a suggestion. You're like, oh, let's go check that out, and all of a sudden, that's that's what does it. Well. It sounds like uh, instead of another escape room box, I may be picking that up. I recommend it. Uh, if you want to challenge your mind, uh, you know, occupy yourself for a decent amount of time, have that same experience like an escape room, uh, I definitely recommend Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now, I will definitely give you my box when i finish it <laughs> um but i'm going at a very slow pace yeah, so no, it's, we'll see when i finish my box <laughs> it's i mean this is not something that i need to have immediately but it's probably something yeah. i will pick up for myself i appreciate the offer um yeah. but yeah no I'll, I'll probably end up getting it for myself i can see that yeah uh, and, and you know you don't ruin any of the unless you like spill something or whatnot you won't ruin any of the components because it's just you know the newspapers the books and uh the map Mm -hmm. so you know it's very easy to reset it and give it to somebody else excellent well i'm looking forward to more more puzzles yeah puzzles are great i love Love them them. i love i love critical thinking especially Mm -hmm. when things are are a little messier than they should be and you kind of have to it's all you know it's all about teasing out the little details I mean, that's basically what coding is, right? Yeah, that's essentially what we do. It's yep. like, okay. I got... I, I've, I've been frustrated lately. So, <laughs> but... uh, that's basically what coding is. It's getting frustrated yeah. from time to time. It's getting frustrated and then being so excited when you figure out the answer. Because when it's, you know, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective or an escape room in a box, there's mm-hmm. literally nothing on the line outside of whatever pride you have attached to quote unquote winning. Uh, or yeah. your score on that particular thing, but when it's actually something you know your livelihood is dependent on, the the stakes are raised just a teensy bit. Well, it's not even that. Like, what if you're just working on a side project and it's like not something that your you know income or anything like that is on the line with, but there are limitless ways of solving the problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's. Like that's different too. It's like you decide when you yeah. It's you, like you decide when you solve the puzzle. But <laughs> how well do you want to solve that puzzle? It's okay. You'll have all of the Sherlock Holmeses in the reviews telling you how well <laughs> you, you did. Yes, that's how it works. <laughs> One star. You fail. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. That's for that's for Mister McSwift face. <laughs>